0: Most successful bankers in, in the history of Miami. The guy's, you know, legitimately a billionaire. Uh, his name is Leonard Davis. Love the man. Owns City National Bank. Look him up. Super impressive guy. Went to him, Leonard. Think about starting. Because I know why you're here. Don't do, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Please don't do. it. Please don't start a bank. <laughs> that is why I'm here. But I still want to do. Because I know what you're going to do. I know how this conversation is going to end. You're going to still want to start a bank. Do not do it.
1: You heard correctly. My buddy, Eddie Areola, started a bank without ever having worked in banking before. And spoiler alert, 10 years later, he just sold it this episode is really special to me because Eddie's become like a big brother, mentor figure in my life. And I got to sit down with him right after this big milestone achievement to get the whole story of how he went through his journey, the lessons learned. And trust me, there's a bunch of them on top of that. He's a super, super likable guy, really intelligent, has done some amazing things. And I'm sure that you're going to love this episode. So give it a listen. If you like it, give me little review maybe share it subscribe to the podcast i'd love to see you around here more often but i'm gonna stop talking and let eddie do his thing after my boy's band the stiltsville from miami florida takes it away a one a
2: two one two one two three go 90% 90% faith, you know, but it's over and that's it, ain't a little bit fresher.
1: I wouldn't call it a business yet. I would uh, call it a hobby Got it. that is just getting started. But so far, pretty good reviews. I have uh, one five-star review that called me a funny guy. Is that mean? It sounded familiar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How are you doing, man? Doing great. Doing great. Yeah. What do you What do you uh, What are you up to these days?
0: So, as you know, so the uh, you know started bank ten years ago. We just announced that we we're selling the bank. So that's been a busy last four or five days, and then getting ready for the holiday. Part of it's getting ready for the end of the year and sort of you know closing this chapter, but it's uh, getting ready to write the next chapter in this transition. So yeah, so that's what I've been up to, and will
1: be up to for the coming weeks. Can you give me a chronology of the last four days? Like since 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 you like what happens the night before you announce? Are you yeah. on the phone with clients? No, no, or?
0: right. So um, you know, I'll give you more backstory after. So you know we've had the business for for ten years. The sale kind of relatively came pretty quick, considering that we're, a, you know, a decent-sized business in a regulated environment. So the last 100 days have been weird because it's really been uh, under wraps. And the opportunity came to us. So I have a board of directors. The opportunity came to us really kind of a sudden, all of a sudden. Like, it happened in the summer. was working on it. My board of directors really wasn't aware of it, and they came back from, like, summer vacation. They take the summer off. And uh, we had a board meeting. I called them 48 hours before. and said, "Hey, we're gonna have three bids for the bank. That's kind of what I've been working on for the summer." Surprise! And uh, and this the, the deal that we ended up signing was with this company called uh, this organization called the uh, Suncoast Credit Union. Great deal. I'll be glad to sort of tell you some of the details. And it was uh, the right scenario, a perfect scenario. And uh, we signed an agreement. in The last 90 days have just been uh, keeping things under wraps. Uh, under wraps their due diligence, trying to figure out what the next step is, you know, what's the, the fallback, uh, keep my board informed. But when it came down to sort of the final days, like with any, like, you know, every deal I've ever been part of the final days, uh, things fall apart multiple times where it's, you know, it's all over things out of your control. And it's how you keep it cool. How do you keep it? And how do you get things to the finish line? So the final two or three days, my last three or four days, uh, when we were absolutely sure that it was going to happen. And that wasn't it was that came down really came down to the wire reached out to you know our top clients and uh, and and some investors have been there from the beginning and so you know the, the phone calls were something like next Tuesday you're gonna get a so it was a Friday after Thanksgiving uh, so we announced Tuesday after Thanksgiving so that uh, that Friday and then Monday you know, I was all I did was was on the phone and reached out to people that were important to me and important to the bank and said uh, didn't want you to find out via a press release you've been with me from day one or you've been an incredible client or I remember a conversation 10, 11 years ago and I just wanted to call and say thank you and let you know and it was a zillion of those phone calls and it was all uh, they were all wonderful because they were all like you didn't need to call me or it means so much to me that you called me you know it's not about the money like I was you know telling you, you know, in one of you know, my, my, most important investor is an incredible individual. I won't say his name. He's a very private guy. And he's like, the numbers are the numbers. I'm just really happy that I invested with you. And you know, I look forward to doing something with you in the future. And now I have to go find another, other business to invest in. So it was a lot of those phone calls. And that, those are the, the hours. And the biggest thing to me, like a really good friend of mine asked me, he goes, uh, are you happy? Aren't you so happy? And then to me, like the, 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 the biggest feeling was, uh, it was more of like a, an obligation was lifted. Right. So, uh, mm-hmm. our situation, um, they're keeping 100% of our employees. Usually when they do bank consolidation, 50% of the employees lose, uh, lose their jobs. The fact that we're keeping all of our employees who have helped us build this business are keeping their jobs. It means the world to me. So that was an obligation that sort of lifted. Obligation to our investors. I was holding on to people's money for 10 years and even though they were happy and they felt great about it and they saw the business and the fact that I'm able to return you know, a you know, nice-sized check, uh, and that, that's great. And uh, and then to my family, and specifically my wife and kids, that. You know, a certain degree of, of uh, financial security and, and, uh, and a feeling of accomplishment. So that was really sort of the, the biggest, uh, my biggest takeaway is sort of this feeling of obligation. This feels sort of uh, lighter as I walk around.
1: The feeling of obligation of this is no longer 100% all on you, everybody under this building, or the feeling of obligation of just like announcing it because you no longer need to keep it secret? the obligation to the, the obligation of
0: uh, people have entrusted trusted you because of your name and your reputation and so you're holding on to uh, their money or their jobs or, or whatever, you know, it, it is, it's an incredible responsibility. You know, all I have is, you know, so I, as mentioned to you earlier, you know, so I started a, a bank during the middle of a financial crisis, you know, initially we raised $20 million. I'd never raised money. 98 out of a hundred people I talked to said, you know, starting a bank, uh, at any time is really hard during you know, financial crisis. Really bad idea. This is two thousand nine, right? Two thousand nine. Okay. So all the people that invested were really people that were, you know, trusting me. And and so you know to be able to that they stuck with me for you know for ten years, and especially that, that initial part. You know, there isn't a, a. I don't even say day. You know, it's thought about several you know multiple times a day for you know, for every day for for, you know, for ten years. You know, I, I would. It's a, I run a local business. I go to a Starbucks. I go to a restaurant. I go to a, a basketball game. I'm seeing, you know, friends, clients, investors, and that sort of thing. And I'm like, you know, I owe them something. I, I owe them. You know, I have this obligation that I'm going to work hard, that I'm going to live up to my reputation. I'm not going to do anything wrong. And so, the fact that uh, that that's lifted
1: is a great, great feeling. The last time, I think, the last time that you and me got together, no, was last Thanksgiving, a little bit over a year ago, when the big move that I made was kind of unraveling. That's right. That's right. Was that a year? Okay. Yeah. And you told me this is the first Thanksgiving that I'm able to just calmly hang out with my family since yeah. I started this band. Yeah. How many years yeah. in, how many, so you started this, you started so nine in. That was
0: nine years. Now it's 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. It took a while. It was was uh, last year, last year around that time was, uh, was the first time I said this. Not that it was an autopilot, but that you know, it was confident in our team, the investment sort of saw that um, we had really built value, and for things, to, a bunch of things would have to go wrong in order for things to go really wrong, and so that there there, there was uh, you know just a, a degree of of, uh, of security for our business and for me and that sort of thing. But again, it built sort of a, enough credibility in the market with our clients, with our employees, with our investors, our board of directors, with regulators, so that if heaven forbid, you know, we were to you know, some, one thing were
1: to go wrong, uh, still have runway. Yeah. Am I hearing you correctly then? For for the first eight years, you felt like one mistake could derail it all and then finally in year yeah. nine, it would have to take multiple mistakes. Is that yeah. how you're saying? That's right. Interesting. That's cool. cool. Yeah. All right. So let's go back to the beginning. Got it. This was your entry-level banking job, right? No. <laughs> so, so, so you might have heard me say so, uh
0: so, yeah, so the first, the first day I worked, in, so the, March 15, 2010 was the day that we closed and we acquired this little bank. And I originally was trying to start uh, a de novo bank, or a bank from scratch. The opportunity was to, to acquire a bank. And uh, I brought in a guy, you know, so along the way people were like, your idea is great. I know you have the energy. I know you have the contacts. You'll figure this out. You'll raise the capital. You have a great strategy. But you've never worked in a bank. And the first day I worked in a bank was March fifteenth, two thousand ten. Walked in. For one of the first things I said was, uh, "Can I go to the vault?" And they're like, "Why do you want to go to the vault?" I'm like, "I've never been in a vault." So they're like, huh? <laughs> "Oh shit!" Like, that <laughs> we're entrusting this guy to run this organization. But along the way, when I first started this process, people are like, uh, "All right, you're going to figure this out, but you needed someone that's has gray hair, has figured this out, that's going to give people you know sense peace of mind, whether it's clients and, and, and regulators and that sort of thing." And I partnered up with a gentleman by the name of Richard Daly, who's you know, my 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 partner, one of my closest friends, uh, a mentor to me. Uh, he's still on our board of directors. Incredible relationship. And aside from my wife, you know, the, the 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 second most relationship that ever sort of uh, you know initiated. So one day when we were here, so I was a uh, you know, chairman CEO, he was president. We were in the the uh, the elevator uh, with a young woman who was working as a teller, and she gets in the elevator and she looks at. Richard and he says, Mr. Daly, she called him, Mr. Daly, is it true that you started in banking 40 some odd years ago as a teller and and now you're, you know, bank president? And he goes, that's right. I started as a teller. I started working for Wells Fargo back in the days, you know, right around the States, cooked it, you know, he had a joke. And then I went from a teller to assistant manager to manager and he went through the, you know, the whole process. Like, wow, that's great. I want to do that one day. And she goes, Eddie. What about you? And she called him Mr. Daly, and me Eddie. And I go, Why would I do that? I started as chairman. That's that's the way you do it. And she's like, Wait, what? That's an option. And so so yeah, yeah. So um, so yeah, this was my entry level position.
1: Yeah. well, you did pretty good. What, so what were you? Give me, give me like um, what were you doing before this? What were you doing before? So, yeah. So, uh, so before this, you I grew was up in, in Miami. Give it, just give yeah, me a uh, story.
0: Uh, super super story, uh, yeah. story. Long story short, born and raised in Miami. Been involved in, in entrepreneurial businesses. So right before that, so uh, at college, my father was an entrepreneur. Had a successful printing company. Worked for him. Uh, was partners with my brothers in a, in a call center, direct mail, uh, data management, fulfillment business. And uh, you know, somewhere along the line, I, I wanted to do something different. And sort of as as a as an aside, I had an opportunity to be a small investor and a board member of a bank called Total Bank. And uh, not because of me, but while I was there, the bank grew threefold and was. Uh, over five years grew threefold was a bank who had a couple of issues and became very successful was sold to uh, a big Spanish bank at the end of 2007 it was just a great run and I thought you know one day when I'm in my 60s I want to start a bank because uh, a community bank's about uh, being engaged in a community people to people business you know it's not really high finance it's about investing in you know interesting, or, you know, make, or, or lending money and providing services to, uh, interesting people and entrepreneurs and family owned businesses, investing in, you know, interesting real estate projects. I'd I love that. I love that. You engage in community, you go a community events. So you volunteer and that's, you call that work. Uh, yeah, I want to do that, you know, somewhere along the line. And then the opportunity came up that I wanted to do something on my own. That was totally, totally different. Uh, financial crisis came and I'm like, well, now would be a great time to start a bank. I didn't know what I didn't know. And, uh, Went around the country talked to 40 different people that started bank here's what I'm thinking about doing what are your thoughts who else should I talk to and then uh, yeah that's so when I had a little red book just like this one or a different red book but one just like this one just figured it out and figured it out and I, you know again I didn't know what I didn't know if you know looking back there's you know hundreds of signals that uh, if I were a religious person and and I prayed said you know God is me a there were plenty of signs that I, one would have had interpreted as saying no these do not do these things but I just believed in myself believed in the opportunity and you know went forward and did that can you give me an example of one of those signs is there is there like a tenth uh, uh, a, a zillion, zillion. So, so, so one including so I talked one of the 40 people I talked to one of the most successful bankers in, in the history of Miami the guy's you know legitimately a billionaire mm-hmm. uh, his name is Leonard Abbas loved the man owned City National Bank looked him up super impressive guy went to him Leonard, think about starting. because I know why you're here. Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Please don't do it. Please don't start a bank. <laughs> I go, that is why I'm here, but
1: I still want to do it. He said, I know what you're going to do. I know how this
0: conversation is going to end. You're going to still want to start a bank. Do not do it. Why do you think he d- didn't want you to do it? It's, it? So it's a tough bit. So uh, one, it's a tough business. Mm-hmm. Like any, but, but i said, but what's the, and then there's a one, my, one of my rebels back to him, like, well, so what's the easy business, right? Yeah. And, and he's like, oh yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, if you're on the inside, it can be very, very frustrating in terms of, it's a, generally speaking a slow growth business. Mm-hmm. Um, it is uh, a very regulated business mm-hmm. and uh, it's a really good long-term investment. So if you're looking to make a lot of money and get sort of instant satisfaction, the same for you. And I wouldn't, no, that's not what I was looking for. I think those are some of the reasons. And where he was was sort of, like, and he sold his, his bank, well, 2009. And uh, so his time, he was sort of looking at, like, I, I want to get out now. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so I was sort of looking at a different timeline. So those are some, you know, those are, well, another quick, so when we were raising capital, so one of the things you have to do when, when you're raising capital is that money has to go into escrow into another bank, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so we raising money for a bank. We put, we set up an account with what's called a banker's bank, this bank was called Silverton Bank. If you go look up Silverton Bank, it was one of the biggest bank failures. So literally one of the first decisions we made as bankers was selecting a bank that failed. So as we started to collect we had to call people back and be like, oh, thank you for entrusting us with your money. Uh, the, the, the money where we, that we put your money in, the bank that you put your money in, just failed. We have to reissue your money and we're gonna find another bank. And, and you're you're gonna see another, <laughs> That didn't go well. <laughs> and so I mean, like th- those are really bad signs. And everyone yeah. just believed. I'm so figured out.
1: And um, That's I mean. they, I, you know, I've two thousand stories like that. And uh, how'd you come with the? How'd you come up with forty people to talk to? Is this people that were in your network? Or yeah, was it, so, right. Was right. Waterfall.
0: Right. So they, they weren't people in my network. Is you, you built the network? Um. So you know. I don't remember exactly where. So right now, so for the last 10 years I've been working with, uh, a I'm in Miami, Florida. I've been working with a law firm out of Austin, Texas. People all the time, all the bankers, I mean, it's all the lawyers in town. Why are you working with a law firm in Miami? Uh, I'm sorry, why aren't you working with a law firm in Miami? Why are you working with a a law firm in in, in Austin? And maybe someone in New York, but that doesn't make any sense. I said, because I called every major law firm in Miami, uh, that was doing bank work and said, my name's Eddie Ariel, I'm starting a bank. I didn't, receive any, I didn't receive any return phone calls. Many of those attorneys who are not only friends of mine now, but also clients. And I always remind them, like, you could have had all our business had you just returned the phone call to some 35-year-old kid that said he was starting a bank. Amazing. And the guy that we're working with, again, to this day in Austin, Texas, sent him an email, called him. It was very helpful on the phone. He says, if you're ever in Austin, uh, you know, would love to buy you a drink. I'm, like, I'm going to be in Austin next week. Were you going to be in Austin? No, of course. Not. So we went to Austin. I went to Austin. Met him at the at the Ritz-Carlton or the Four Seasons in uh, in Austin. We had a drink, and at the end, he's like, um, "You're going to figure this out. If you, you know, there's plenty of good attorneys in Miami. If you ever need, you know, if you ever need someone in Texas, let me know. I, you know, I can still represent you from here." And I'm like, "No, oh, man, I want to work with you." And uh, so we stuck it out. So he put me in touch with some people. Uh, again, this this gentleman I mentioned, Leonard Davis, who is probably. Um, you know, the best known banker in Miami. He was a sort of family friend. And then just referral. Someone says, Well, you know what, I like you, I'm gonna send you someone. Then meet with accountants and accountants, will put you in touch with with their clients. So it's sort of you know referral, then you follow up. And people that had started a bank were very interested in in uh in sharing their story. And they were, you know, to a person, all very helpful, all yeah, you know, and so and so the other day you asked me what were the last four days of I called almost all in the back. And they're like, I can't believe you're calling me back today. I'm like, how can I not call you? I, I, go, I still remember things you said to me 10 years later. And like, I remember that meeting. He goes, Oh, we only had coffee. I can't believe you're calling me. Go, yeah, it was important to me. That's amazing. Yeah,
1: that's really, really cool.
0: You know, you're passionate about connecting, but that was a big part of it. And i you, you, know, so one of my takeaways that I would, is um, I didn't forget that. 10 years later, I called those people, and it meant, I, I can see those people smiling. And, and several of them, I fucking can't believe you're calling me. Like, of t-
1: today, of all days, you're calling me. I'm like, of course I'm calling you. It's amazing. Yeah. That's really cool. So you talk to 40 people. You get 40, don't do this, right? <laughs> or or, or those, something like well, that. So all
0: the people that, so Leonard was the only one that said, don't do it. Because um, uh, he knew me. He, you know, so yeah. he felt sort of, yeah. uh, anom- you know, like, this guy's about to jump in, in, in you know, deep water with sharp, like, uh, I think he was a little protective. Yeah. It came from a good place. Yeah. Uh, the other people are like, I don't even know this guy. What I'm all talent? Here, here's my game plan. I'll give you my game plan. And, uh, and then I would share sort of, you know, what, what I was thinking about doing. Like, oh, that's bad. Bad idea, good idea. Uh-huh. Um,
1: yeah. So going into it, there is a pool of knowledge that you're bringing in from talking to people in the banking industry, right, yeah. And and having a partner that knows banking there's a knowledge pool of previous experiences that you have had that aren't in banking, but I'm sure you've learned some truths along the way. Yeah. And then there's soft skills that you've had your whole life. Right. Do you have in your head a ratio of like how much of, how much of which one made you win?
0: Yeah. So, uh, so where I started, uh, So I'd go toe-to-toe today with my banking knowledge with any banker. That's all learned either from a book or from experience over the last few years. Um, And I I always felt that. I I would talk to bankers. I'm like, oh, these are numbers. These are things that they're learning from a book or these are things learned from a a textbook or it was handed down sort of a trade. I can figure that out pretty quick if I put in the the time and the hours and that sort of thing. Uh, And I can hire more people that understand uh, the nuts and bolts of it. Uh, I thought that was really easy to figure out. Uh, where I thought that I could uh, beat other people on the playing field was was on the soft skills, where I believe I can build uh, I can build a great corporate culture. I can build a, I can build a team, I can outsell, I can out network. I can bring a different perspective than other people. And that's where I always had uh, the confidence. that the banking piece, which everybody else thought was the hard that you need to know, like that can uh, that can be learned pretty quick. Uh, or bought or hired for. Uh, the other things, um, I, I, I believe that I can go, uh, that I was already head and shoulders above all the other bankers and all my other competitors and that I was willing to get better.
1: You said corporate culture, networking, something else. Can you can you rank those in order of what was the most important? Can you rank them? I mean,
0: they're all, they're, they're all important okay. and they're all sort of intertwined. So... Um,
1: because yeah, I, I, but, but so, another way, so, so
0: is uh, you know how you treat people uh, is the most important thing. So you know, I have a track record of uh, working hard, following up, being honest, um, you know, being creative. So you know that sort of validation. So so you know how we built, you know, how I hired, how coach, train, develop, hired people. You know, some of that you know, I, you know, I sort of brought from 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 my experience, and so that helped. So. Yeah like you. I believe in the power of networking. And so that's really, you know, that's how I raised money. I went out to people that, that believed in me and said, invest a dollar or you know, whatever. It was more than a dollar, but, uh, it put me in touch with other people. And so they believed in me and said, I want you to meet my friend Eddie or I'm investing this deal. And when I meet with clients, you know, the last 10 years I've met with clients, rarely do I talk about bank. If they start getting into their deal, I don't want to say I don't, I don't, I don't give a shit, but I'm like, I, I I have a guy that's on my team that's going to figure out the details, but let's talk about you and your business and what you want to do. And then, and so like when we started talking earlier, I always want to start to, what's the business thing that we got to get out of the way? What's the thing? Oh, you want a loan? Let's talk about the loan. Oh, I'm buying a property in this part of, 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 uh, of Miami. I want a 65% loan to value. I want a partial. You know, those are things we work on in five minutes. Okay, great. We're going to have a follow-up. I'm going to send you some, info. I'm going to have someone send you an email on the stuff that we need. You know, we're really comfortable with these things, not so comfortable with these with, with these other things. Um, and this other piece, we'll have to negotiate over so five, ten minutes. All right, now let's talk about you and your business. And, and then and that's where you learn, oh, I'm trying to grow, I'm trying to expand, I'm trying to buy out my partner, I'm trying to hire a CFO. And that's really where I add value. And so when they leave that lunch or that meeting, they're like, oh, those other things we talked about? Yeah, you're right, we can negotiate because I'd rather negotiate with Eddie. And figure this out instead of a Bank of America. However, because I had this other great, I want to continue to have conversations like we had about, you know, my need for CFO, how you build corporate culture, how do I expand, and those sorts of things. So, uh, so that was the most important. The banking thing was, uh, you know, easily easy to figure out. So, how do you
1: build corporate culture?
0: Yeah. So the way you know, I sort of define corporate culture is um, how you organize and, and how you make decisions and. You know what are your values, and so it is you know part of you know how you make decisions. So uh, you know, there's a long answer. You know, so one is you, know, you got to live it. You got to do it all day, every day. And so as the CEO, you got, uh, that's the biggest part of your job, I believe. And so you have to lead by example. You have to be very conscious of all the little things that you do that show people how you make decisions. Do you mean? Do you have long meetings? Do you have short meetings? Who do you involve? Do you talk about your values? Do you talk about do you think about out loud about, you know, what, what the repercussions of, of things, you know, will, will be. So you uh, just to be very conscious of the decision-making process. Again, you know, how do you make, are they made quick? Who do you involve? When do you require a lot of information? When are you going to say, I'm going to sleep on this? And really, how do you treat people? i not, you know, just having, you know, uh, you know, nice snacks in the break room and, you know, having a yoga teacher come in. That's, you know, that's not corporate culture. It's when the chips are down and someone comes to you and says, you know, my wife has cancer i don't know what to do uh how you treat that person and and uh you can have great you know uh you know time off policy and great health insurance but but there, there's more to it you know um uh, yeah. how do you show them in, in compassion and empathy how do you get other people to to uh, to help them out how do you know that you know they're going to be distracted how do you either get them to, to focus because maybe they're asking help me focus or say hey Help, help me feel good about, you know, not coming into work for the next few weeks. You know, again, when, when someone, you see someone stressed and, um, you know, they're dealing with a, a mother who's in a, an assisted living facility. Um, you see someone who is, you know, trying to progress in their career, um, you know, how you handle it. Sometimes it's, hey, you should go take another job somewhere else, or it's, no, no, no the opportunity is here. Forget about the extra $10,000 that other guys can give you. The next few years, I'm going to teach you so much that it's not even, uh, it, it's stupid for you to even think about leaving. So you know, it, it's all those little decisions, how you treat people.
1: I'm hearing two things. Yeah. I'm hearing understanding people's true motivations, not just their question, but their, what the motivation mm-hmm. is. And I'm hearing, how you treat people during outlier situations? Yeah, is that kind of right? Is that yeah? Is that where you're going with it? Okay, yeah. interesting. Can you tell me about the email, the Friday email?
0: Yeah, so that's right. So you know, big part of um, you know, it's a big part of corporate culture is communication. Communication is it's just not sort of a, a newsletter uh, or, or things you put on a wall, or you know, it's um, it's the day to day you know content. It's having meetings, sharing you know, sharing information, that sort of thing. And so one of the things I wanted, I wanted our employees to know me and to know sort of, you know, why we're different and that I care about people and that we make decisions differently than the way uh, other banks do. Um, and again, that we're entrepreneurial. So one day, you know, instead of doing a newsletter, I'm going to send out a, a Friday, a, an email every Friday called the Friday Email in capital E in, in quotes because my name is Eddie. And tried to make it, you know, probably like a lot of the emails that that you get from a lot of uh, you know bloggers and influencers, but that our people weren't reading. So, um, so and it was just sort of I don't want to say top of mind, but it's, and what's really happening in our company, and not just facts and figures, because I didn't want to say you know, here's our results. Even though every once in a while I do that, but uh, not that often. Um, but here's the really important things that are happening in the business and why, and, and encourage people. So, like we did, you know. Well, I'll tell you about some examples, but, um, so things like, uh, so one of the most important things for us, so we're we're a community bank and what is, we don't do anything. There's no real, there's no IP in what we do. Our money is just as green as a guy down the street. So you bank with people. And so what what I try to do is make our people more, uh, interested and more interesting. Mm. And so, um, generally speaking, bankers are boring. So I'd encourage our bankers to Go to, the, go to a different restaurant and you keep going to. View, uh, visit different parts of Miami, try different technologies, see different movies. See. Uh, so that way, when they're sitting at lunch or they're having coffee with someone, they're just more interesting. There are more things to talk about. When they hear about a certain type of business, they'd they be oh yeah, I know a little bit about that. I read an article about that. Can you tell me more? So that was kind of the Friday email is, is how do I make people, how do I get people more interested and interesting and get them engaged in our community and that sort of thing. So I just, those shit out there. I mean, I, I mean, everything is really sort of top of mind. I mean, you know, the books I'm reading, uh, art, you different articles, different you, stupid YouTube videos, a commercial, you know, really this random, random shit. Uh, but just to sort of get people talking and see me as a human being, and get people talking, and I'm like, all right, if, they, if there's ten things in the email, and they can take two or three of those things and be engaged in a conversation with the client, and, and bring up some random shit that. Uh, that might be more interesting than talking about, you know, interest rates or loan to value or, you know, free how checking did, or not that sort of thing. How did you come up with that
1: as a strategy? Like, I, like I guess, you know, I I, I fu- I'm fully yeah, I fully yeah. buy into this, right? Like, this all is all right. stuff that I espouse nowadays, right? But how did you come up with this strategy? So, you know, again, going back to I wanted our
0: um, people more in, interested in our community. I'm yeah. more interesting, and yeah. I would talk to some of our employees, I'm like, oh, have you been to this restaurant? No, I haven't been. Well, why not? Like, why are you still going to you know, the same stupid restaurant? And he goes, um, just, you just have to walk one more block, you know, uh, and, and it's actually less expensive, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, and I just found that people weren't, you know, people don't read the newspaper anymore. People don't, uh, they sort of, you know, stay in their own little bubbles. And so, like how can I get them? And so, talking to people one-on-one really wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And so, how, you know, so let me let me do something to get people. Done. And so, I, I figured if they would, um, you know, at least read half the email every other week, that would it would be something. And, then, and you start of and again, part of corporate culture, you start having a common language. You start talking about the same things. You reinforce things. So I send out uh, videos not on like leadership, but on empathy and compassion and you know, send out, uh, you, know, you know. So one of one of the things I remember sending out was like uh, uh, Fred Rogers uh, w- when he went on behalf of, of PBS to request money from Congress. And I do remember who the, who the congressman was or senator. Have you ever seen, seen that clip? Where no. go, it's great, it's amazing. Where uh, Congress is like, why are you asking? I forgot how much money. The was twenty five million dollars, seventy two million dollars. I don't remember what the exact number was. And they were asking my PBS, like, we're not this we're not giving money for children's television. Like, no. Like, this is a stupid idea. Absolutely not. And Fred Rogers talked about, well, you know, um, we create programming that helps kids that are that are dealing with really big grown-up issues, you know, that are, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, death and divorce and war and we, we view things through the eyes. Of kids. You know, so whatever. So he goes on and the center is like, oh my God, you just... Maybe you just changed my mind. You're getting the 25 million dollars. You know, you're a very good man, and that sort of. And I wanted people to see and learn from that, as opposed to like, you know, that's real leadership. That's, um, you know, that's how how, uh, how you change people's minds and that sort of thing. And that instead of you know some stupid poster that you'd hang up in a, in the lunchroom. So let a lot of you know just a lot of stuff like that. Um, you know, get people talking about water. You know, so I give my you know stupid sports predictions. Um,
1: that's true just to get people to talk right and so yeah yeah i love it man yeah that's so that's something that i've the interested interesting thing right to me is a very fundamental tool in relationship building the idea that the way to take it from having to have a one-on-one conversation to just put it at scale requires content is something mm-hmm. that I've stumbled onto recently, right? Like the idea I've been doing it one-on-one forever. The moment I started actually producing video clips of me speaking about networking concepts that look really good eh, everybody comes out of the woodwork like, Oh yeah, this is what you do. And it's right. very, very validating. I find it very interesting that you came onto that 10 years ago, writing an email to your company once a while. Well, I didn't start doing it 10 years ago. Yeah. I started doing it, um,
2: Seven years. So it wasn't it wasn't at first. Whatever, you beat me to it, bro. Yeah. It's obviously awesome. yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. for And then and then I would find that people would forward it on to their employee. And then and when that was in the thing it kind people would get and forward it on to their spouse, like, oh, my wife really liked it. I hope you don't mind that I forwarded this to my spouse. And so again, that it was um, they took that they took, you know, pride in, in the company. It was having and so they go home and and, and talk about mm-hmm. our company and our values mm-hmm. with their family.
1: Um you know, help build you know corporate loyalty and that sort of thing so that's great so i would imagine at some point you realize it hits you oh my god people are forwarding this thing this yeah. is real Whatever i'm going off. the
0: going to come up with new content every friday yeah and then when i wouldn't send one out because there are plenty of fridays i don't send it out and like oh you didn't send it out I'm like, leave me alone i i working. working like <laughs>
1: yeah i've got a got a yeah. job here people yeah
0: <laughs> and i know all of you don't read this shit you know
1: so that's uh, awesome yeah so what is your approach to networking like, how do you, you know, yeah? yeah. yeah. You've mentioned community involvement. So, so, yeah. so, so
0: in, no order, um, yeah. in no particular order, in no particular order. I say, if I had more time, more thought, I, I would prioritize them and give you a list. But yeah, it, no, no. But here's what. Some, here's how we make the list. Yeah. Um, number one is to show up for people, and and so, um, it always amaze. So, so last week we had this really big announcement for me, at least. Uh, so many people came out of the woodwork. Like, hey man, I'm really happy for you. Congratulations. That was great. There's some people that fucking didn't call. Like, and not, not that I, my ego needs it, but I'm like, it would have taken you two seconds to send me a text, why not just stay that connected? And I'm not saying like all my friends called me, uh, you know, my mom, my, my dad, they know, we're good there. But just people, I'm like, these, these people have been calling me for 10 years and they couldn't figure out like, this would be a good time to like, just connect. Um, you, you do this, right? So um, you have a friend that says, I'm trying to network, put together a podcast. That's great. When you're at Emerge Americas, uh, you didn't pay me to show up. But uh, you, you have to show up for, for people that you say, I want to have a relationship with. Um, you got to show up. So if you have a friend or someone that you're sort of, I want to I do business with them. I want to get to know them, whatever. And they're going to be a guest speaker. They're going to, they're, they're having a cocktail party for some charity. Just show up. And even if it's only for two minutes, whatever. I mean, so you, you've done a million things for charity. Uh, you've done uh, you know so much, you know, so many things like that. I mean, how many people? Like a lot of people do show up. A lot of people don't show up. And you're like five, five minutes, man. Yeah.
1: You couldn't show up for five minutes at free drinks at one of twenty. Yeah. You know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, so I believe in, you know you, you know one
0: thing is you definitely got to show up for for your friends. You mm-hmm. gotta uh, something good happens, something not so good happens. You gotta just call them, send them a letter. Uh, so, so, you know, so that's certainly one. Second is, um, you know, you know, listen and be personal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, I, I, uh, I think you just. I mean, I write handwritten letters. So, so for all of, um, mm-hmm. so all of my employees' birthdays, I write them a handwritten letter every single year. And I've been doing it for ten years. All of our employees. I know some employees have same ten stupid little postcards. I try to mix it up. <coughs> Um, I meet someone and send them a handwritten... You know, if they give me their business card and I have their address, I'm sending them a handwritten letter. Mm-hmm. Um, no one does it anymore. Everybody always loves it. It's great. It's amazing the amount of people that I send it to them. They comment on, like, on how, what an impact they have and then they don't pick up the habit.
1: And I have a hard time picking up that habit. Yeah, and I'm just like, man, you know it's impactful. I know it's impactful and I have a really hard time doing it. I write mm-hmm. no handwritten letters. Yeah, and so and so there's other ways I'm like
0: that you could be... Personal and, the extra and, and that sort of thing, and just remember, and there's random shit that that I, I, you know, I consciously remember. I'm like, oh, I'm going to reach out to, uh, so that you know, again it takes uh, takes two seconds. Uh, so you you want to be personal. Uh, I think that that's really important to networking. Yeah. Uh, three is you know, um, be very conscious of, of how you spend your time and who you network with. So networking, it's not a numbers game. It's about. Uh, you know, uh, so a few years ago, I really thought about the. Um, so you know, I reflect a lot on, on, on different shit, and so mm-hmm. um, I thought about the people that made uh, business-wise in, impacts on my life and my business, my, and and I was able to trace back um, to like literally six or seven people of like where all the most powerful relationships in my life came from were back to these six or seven different business people. Wow! And I'm like, oh, those are the ones I have to continue to you know, to make sure I, I keep them happy and, and invested in my life, knowing what's going on in my life. And, um, and, 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 probably all of those relationships, they never asked for, you know, for a penny, you know, along the way we did business and they did well and I've helped them and that sort of thing. But almost, you know, to a person, they just wanted good things to happen for me. Um, so it's very conscious about, you know, uh, investing. So the, uh, so like when, when those individuals that their kids have a a birthday or bar mitzvah, they get a really nice gift from me because I want them to be like, Dad, guess what happened? You know, so and so, you know, Eddie sent me this really nice gift because yeah. um, they're they're really important. To me. They'll never know how important they are to me. And so and so, I'm trying to tr- be very conscious of uh, who I invest time with and who I network with. Um,
1: how did you do this exercise? How did you trace it back? Did you literally like write out a tree? <laughs> yeah, literally write out a tree. Incredible. Starting with So for me it was a little bit easier in that standpoint of like I knew
0: who my so I, I had investors, I had clients. Okay, oh, I've had to raise money. So I mean I was able to track like oh, From who very tangible. Yeah. Comments. Yeah. So who are my clients? Who are these people want to try to raise money for charity or politics or whatever? Who are my investors? And it made sort of a list and be like, wait, how did I meet this guy? How did I meet this guy? How did I meet this guy? Meet
1: this guy? And go back. And, how long uh, did that take you? An afternoon. An afternoon. And what was the impetus? What made you sit down and take that afternoon? So, yeah. So, um, so taking,
0: I, I, how much time you got, man? So the, uh, so I'm very big into, um, you know, taking, you know, sort of like, uh, you know, I'm not to compare myself to you know. So it's, it's like like a think week. I, I take like a, a think day, <laughs> and, and again, I have like little notebooks. Right? it's right around, so it'll be like next week. So I schedule end of the year, look back at my goals once a year. Think day. Yeah, once a year. Um, middle of December, um, you know, I go off site, uh, Peace of quiet, no one else around. You know, have a couple different notebooks. Review, we reflect on the last year. Um, you know, think about where I want to go the next year. I'll be writing. So I have, I've had the notebook for 2020. I probably bought it in the summer and I'll just be like throwing little notes in there. So I don't think I have them here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but I'll have like little yellow car. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I have a random little shit I'll just throw in there
1: mm-hmm. throughout the year. I'm like, oh, i have this idea. This, maybe
0: here's a goal I want to think. So then I'll sit down like, well, what are my goals? Where... And so one of the things I think about is, um, so I sort of categorize it. Like, uh, the categories are like, uh, Family, the category there, you know, health, uh, business, uh, finances, uh, and the other uh, community, and the other is relationships. It's like, what are the key relationships I need to work on? So I think one of the kind of like, you know, how do you prioritize the top, prioritize the top five relationships? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, in a time, different times have been you know different things, right? So I remember like going back, uh, you know, one of the things that one year that would have made my top ten was you know like. Uh, you know, my son's teacher. I'm like, all right. Th- th-, you know, my son's at a very critical stage. Who's most outside of my wife and I? Who's the most important person in their life? Their teacher. I, I got to know that guy. At that time, it was a guy, and um, I want him to know I'm, I'm here for him. Uh, so edgy, man. Yeah. So heavy. And, and I remember. And, and at the end of that year, uh, this gentleman was incredible. He was one of the most impactful people in my son's lives. At the end of the year, this guy was applying for. Um, I don't want to say it was a fellowship, but it was a program in the summer that he had to apply for and get like a scholarship for. It was like a you know, extra education thing. The teacher, the teacher, and he sent me an email and he's like, "Would you write my letter of recommendation?" And I'm like, "All right, I, I did my job. Like, I, I, I developed enough of a relationship with that with that guy um, that he saw he he, he saw the that, that we really uh, developed a relationship. He, you know, he, he saw the effort that I put into it. Uh, so, yeah, so things like that, like what are the most important things you, you, know, you got to do and you got to develop those relationships? It has to be very conscious. So, I, I do sort of rank the relationships in terms of, you know, where do I have to invest more time? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. That's yeah. super heavy.
1: So, let's, how did our relationship start? So, to go the, the way back machine
0: before we were alive, uh, our fathers were, uh, one of my father's first friends when he came over from Cuba was your father. Your mm-hmm. father uh, drove a car, and my dad didn't have a car. And so uh, uh, I think my dad's like, this guy's cool, and he drives a car. i got to hang out with him. I, he, he probably made that list. What are the most important relationships that I need to invest in <laughs> this birth. coming year? Uh, my junior year in high school, birth. Yeah. And, uh, and then they, I think they reconnected many years later. Yeah. And then when, uh, when you guys came over from Venezuela—
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I
0: met when you were age five. I'm older than you. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, and then I think we reconnected via social media with uh, my brothers, and thought you were uh, funny and, and creative. And then that's where, and then, and then you worked for for a very good friend of mine. And yeah,
1: well. So I tell it a little bit different, man. So yes, I, I do think that MySpace played a role in you wanting to be my friend when I was I like, wasn't on MySpace. As my brothers would talk
0: about you. I wasn't on MySpace. I'm older than you and yeah.
1: Well Frankie, Frankie yeah. was like, my brother Eddie yeah. yeah. you're funny. Yeah. Yeah. Your blah, 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 blah. He yeah. would tell me like he told me that a million times. Yeah. But to me, it was my brother passes away yeah. and you out of nowhere send yeah. me that extra mile message. Yeah. Can you tell me about that? Can you, like, can you tell me when you thought to to send me that message? Yeah, man. You know, it, it talks.
0: It, shit, you know, when something goes to your mind, I, I think it it comes to like you have to act on it, right? And so, um, I knew your brother since I was a little kid. Uh, we weren't super close, but he went to school. He went to Babson when I was in uh, at BC. So we would. Meet, he had a, he had an, I can't remember who it was he had another really good friend at BC so when he was on campus he would call me and we'd get together it was before cell phone, before email so it was very hard to connect and your brother's a wonderful guy and, uh, and I'm sure you loved him very much and and, um, and, and I just felt that um, again you know, you show up for people and you just you know, want uh, at the, at, they need to hear from people at, at the very highs and the very lows and uh, the thought came in my mind, and you know, sort of thought of your brother, put a smile on my face, and I'm like, how do, "No one saw that smile. How do, you know? How can I package that and, and send it off?" And so, yeah,
1: that's incredible, man. Yeah, you know. I mean, you know, I I've known Frankie my whole life. Yeah, right. Like taught me English. Right, <laughs> taught me to be American. <laughs> yeah. Right, like you taught me wrestling to I love that. Taught me wrestling and baseball cards when I moved her from Spain. I love that. I knew I knew Danny from. In LA, he, you know, when I reconnected with Frankie and I'd see Danny, I really didn't know much about you, man. And when I got that message, like you said, in those low, in those outlier moments, things make a very big difference. And you reached out to me and you were one out of, you know, like many people reached out to me, right? Like Mm -hmm. that, my brother's passing obviously is a transformative moment in my life. And you reach out to me; it means a lot to me. We run into each other at a—I think you got a Beacon Council award or something right. like that—and I was there with Lighthouse for the Blind. Right. And at that point, I'm like, man, I really—you know—the fact that you reached out to me, I was like, I need to—I need to know more about this guy. Right. Um. And we, you know, I guess I guess we went to lunch. Right. And since then, you have just consistently been a guy that shows up for me, man. And it's been a it's been a major game changer for me and in, in, in what I have learned. Good word for you, man. I, I appreciate yeah. it, dude. I, I just I want to acknowledge you for that, uh, right? Thank like, you. It, I appreciate it it, it. it really has transformed the way I think about things and the way that you showed up for me. And 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 at one point, I think like maybe three lunches into it, you're yeah. just like, we made it official,
2: <laughs> right? Like, yeah. do you remember that conversation? Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, what was your what was your mindset there like of like you I don't know like tell me your mindset there of, of, of I, you know it was like an official like so first of all I don't do that to everyone just you know I know yeah, that's, that's yeah, what I'm saying yeah, it's yeah. an outlier moment right yeah. like
0: yeah you know um cause I'd have to really go deep so part of it is certainly you know uh that there's uh you know we're, we're sort of connected through the universe through through our fathers through your brother um not, uh, you know. So, so that, so that's certainly part of it. I think you're, you're, you're a very good guy. You know, I, I think um, yeah, I was actually, you know, reading the. So, you know, like you know, people try to break down, like, uh, you have there's something in it, right? So, you, you know, it's got to be a uh, a win-win, or I'm giving you something, I get something back. I'm going to connect because uh, I'm going to help you on this. And I'm going to get business there, uh, you know, elsewhere. You're going to help me connect to other people. And sometimes I think we just do things just fucking because, right? And so um, I just felt that there's been a bunch of people in my life that have just helped me just because they didn't really get anything because it's whatever reason. And uh, and I just sort of, you know, I should do that more often. And, uh, yeah. And uh, you know, sort of hold myself to a different standard and a different uh, you know scorecard, and that's like something else you can sort of talk about is you know having your own personal scorecard that's you know truly only you know personal that uh, no one else sees. Uh, you know, people see people see the announcement that um, you know sold a bank, you started something for ten years, and you had, you know, here was your return. And, you know, and people want to know how much money you made and all that other sort of bullshit. Um, and to me that's not a scorecard I right? have you know, a different scorecard so. are you willing to talk about yeah, the so scorecard it's a of, so it take, again sort of giant step back on one of these days where I'm like I'm gonna you know um, now it's probably 15 years ago um, you know one of these you know think days I'm gonna take time off I'm gonna plan and for me it wasn't it's you know, plan a year. it's plan the next 10 years and for me it was I remember I was age 32 I said it was for me my personal it was project 42 I woke up at 30, it kind of took me two years. For I'm like, I want the next 10 years to look different than my last 10 years. So, graduated from college when I was 22. Not that anything bad happened, but I just wanted it to be different. And at age 32, I sort of mapped out this is what I want to happen over the next, you know, uh, 10 years. So, uh, one of my so my kids, my son at the time was five years old, mm-hmm. and he was just starting school. And I was traveling a lot. I was partners with my brothers, and you see my. Brother Danny and Ricky, they're always on the road. And I was always on. And Jason, they're always on the road. They're always on the road. Mm-hmm. And I hated that. And I was always away from my kids. I'm glad they do it. But, uh, I was, and uh, I was, you know, wait for, you know, four out of, uh, four out of five days. And, uh, and then I play golf on Saturday. And I'm like, this, this isn't how I want to live my life for the next year. That's not what I want. So I gave up golf. Um, and part of my personal scorecard is how many times am I going to have dinner? Uh, with my kids. So that was one of the measurements. So then so then that sort of is well the only way I could do that is, is if I have a local business. Mm-hmm. And so that was part of, you know, part of this crazy process of you know uh, reverse engineering based on, on the scorecard. So what's a what's a, a local business? Not what I was doing. It was you know something different like a community bank.
1: Yeah.
0: Um so you know so so that's one again it goes back to mm-hmm. you know relationships and you know um, you know, I don't believe like in formal mem- uh, mentorship, you know, there's, uh, but I believe in, you know, helping people that are, you know, just, you know starting to get through things. Um, whether it's, uh, you know, something tragic, the, a, a transition in their life, um, uh, you know, starting a business, all that other sort of stuff. And I and, uh, and have this experience and I feel I have, you know, a, a degree of empathy and, you know, can I give that back to, you know, to, the
1: Amazing man. Yeah. That's funny that you bring this up because I probably about three months ago I started really thinking about it. I was like, what are my KPIs of life? Right. Right. And I was like, I I, I just wanna this isn't about me, right? right? But to me my KPIs is how many days a year am I surfing? Right. right? That's, when my, you, that's my when you post
0: that first time. I love that. That resonated with me. I love that.
1: Yeah. How many times a year am I surfing? Because that's health and mental. How many random phone calls do I get of I'm contemplating something, give me your advice? Yeah. And I forgot what the other one was, right? But like, I, I like yeah, I went down you, that you path. And you got to write it down. Yeah, you know. yeah. So I'm, I'm big into journaling, and, and I, yeah. I, I take um.
0: So I have a I have a journal. It's not necessarily like, oh today I blank blank blank, but but, but I sort of like note everything. Mm-hmm. So like I don't know what the fuck that I'm gonna do today, but uh, I'll probably you know I'll probably note you know uh, South Pablo had an, you know uh, with and that sort of thing. It's sort of mm-hmm. you know I'll I'll note like things that worried me. Mm-hmm. And then I'll look back and, and you know, also I'll look back at the end of the year and be like, oh, yeah, you know what? Re- I forgot about that. that. Made me feel really good. I want to do more of that that's coming here. Holy it. shit. I, I was worried about those stupid things. Yeah. That kept me up at night and it was gone in 48 hours. It's such a bullshit thing. Or, or I resolved in two seconds, but I let it bother me for three days. So I try to, you uh, know, I, I, I'd like to journal more. where I really sort of thought about ideas. But, but I'm, I'm very active for like the last, well, since I was 32 years old. Mm-hmm maybe before of just sort of noting all the shit that happens
1: in my life. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. All right, man. So we're wrapping up a couple of questions. You started with 20 million bucks. Are yeah. you able to say the sale price of the bank? No, it's not
0: undisclosed, but it was a very good multiple. So for, so we, we, we raised capital in, uh, um, what, in 2010 or it's $20 million and we did an acquisition in, uh, in, uh, in 2014, and another acquisition in 2014 raised another $20 million. So it was very good investment for our first group, very good investment for, actually, even better. In terms of IR, the multiple was higher for the first group. Uh, the IRR was was uh, was much higher for the second group. But everyone was happy. I got it. You know, no, no one complained. Yeah. A lot of really good phone calls. But it's a, it's a private transaction. Got it. And uh, no one's complaining.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's cool, man. Uh what does it feel like to be the most successful Areola brother?
0: So not much competition so to begin with. Um, but, uh, I mean, you know those three guys. It's, uh, it's not easy being their brother. I gotta, I gotta carry most of the time. They, they copy every single thing I do. How I dress, uh, all my jokes. Uh, you know, they, they steal my friends to begin with. So most of their close friends are either people that they met through me uh, or, or people that want, became friends with them in order to become friends with me. So, like, Nick and Ricky have been friends <laughs> since they were 10 years old. But <laughs> I know Nick, even though I was only six years old, Nick always wanted to be my friend. Yeah. And so, uh, so yeah. I mean, it's
1: not a bad strategy. I've, I've been trying to, like, yeah. snipe off your friends that I'm That's having a right. good time doing That's it. Right.
0: Uh, That's if, right.
1: I, if I could eat up that food chain. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But part of, you know, part of it is having you know, three great brothers. You know, They're my three closest friends. Um, they're all incredibly different. Very different. Um, and, you know, and, and, you know, they all, at every, we drive each other crazy. We complain about each other. We bust each other's balls. Um, but they are my three biggest cheerleaders. I mean, it was, uh, you know, something good happens in my life that uh, there isn't anyone else happier than, than the three of them. Amazing.
1: And I, I guess the last thing, I, I like to end these, you know, any conversation that I have with anybody. Like, how can... Um, I actually know what I'd like to ask you no. out of, out of the, out of the, 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 um, the goals that you set yeah. for the 10 years at 32, what didn't come true that you're happy? It didn't come true. So, okay.
0: Yeah. So a couple of guys have a good question. So, so number one, if I were to go back to that original list, which I have 32, to 40, I'm 47 now, mm-hmm. incredibly, almost all those things happened. And so one of the things was, holy shit, why didn't I dream bigger? Why didn't I want, and, and, and why don't I do set bigger goals for the next 10 years? And it scares the shit. The real, and so the real answer is because it scares the shit out of me. Um, so, so most of those things uh, came true when I really focused and worked on and, and that sort of thing. And, and because that was also very true to myself, I was like, I sort of I understood what I could do and what was in sort of the realm of possibility mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And so I'd say the one thing um, that I sort of, I, what I had wanted to do was, um, I would say uh, I wanted to take a, a more high-profile uh, position in, in, uh, in government or mm. in something. And uh, and that's another super uh, long story. Uh, and, and, I, and, and I currently have a role. Uh, I'm chairman of the Inter-American Foundation, was an independent sure. U.S. government agency, and I love that. Um, there was an opportunity to take a much bigger role, uh, higher-profile role in the Obama administration for whatever reason. It didn't happen, and I thought it was something I really, really wanted, and it would have changed my entire, it would have changed everything. Sure. Uh, and it's the best thing that happened, was that, that it didn't happen. And my wife and I talk about it all the time. It would have it been incredible and amazing, but it would have, I'd be a different person, it would have fucked me up in so many different ways. Uh, and, I, and at the time, I thought it was the thing that I wanted the absolute most of my life, and I had worked towards. And then, it didn't happen... And uh, I can honestly tell you, it's the greatest thing, and it, and it changed everything—everything uh, everything about me.
1: Amazing. Mm. I, end, I end all of these with with a very simple question: How can I help you, man? How can how can I be of service to you? So you know, the, you know, the, the biggest is um, you know we, we get
0: caught up in our in our ba- our crazy, busy little lives. It's very hard to meet uh, new, interesting people, so it's always great to meet uh, uh, new and interesting people. Like Nathan, like, that, like Nathan. yeah you um, continue to show up. There's going to be time, you know. So th- this week's uh, a high. I, you know, the one thing I know for sure uh, that there will be a low sometime, you know, sometime soon. Not sometime soon, sometime. I don't know, man. Sure. And, and shit's going to happen
1: and um, show up then as well. The day you need anything, man, I'm there. I, like, I really, I know I acknowledged you before, Eddie, but you have been. I appreciate it. Really the, the definition of. of of a mentor for me man and and, and few people are are in the are in the stratosphere that you are in in my opinions i appreciate it so thank you man thanks for doing this. thank you brother. wow that was really a special conversation for me i know you can tell i got choked up there for a little bit but it really really meant a lot to me to acknowledge eddie and everything he's done super amazing guy now i want to give you some takeaways before I play the rest of Yogi by the Stiltsville, which I know you still wanna listen to because the song rules. So number one, soft skills really, really matter. You just saw it right there. Eddie had no banking experience, but he knew that his knowledge of corporate culture and his ability to network was gonna set him apart and he could learn the banking stuff pretty easily. Number two, when you're networking, Get the business part out of the way first, right? Figure out what you're gonna be able to do for somebody. You know that that's automatic and then get to know the person, get to know their hopes and their dreams and what they're passionate about. That is what gets you a call back, not the discount you can give them or the deal that you can give them. Anybody could do that. Three, corporate culture is everything. And the way that you build that culture, which is the same way that Eddie built his relationships, is the way that you show up during the difficult situations, during the outlier moments when you don't know how to act, showing up is huge. And on top of that, using content to build corporate culture is a really, really effective strategy as you learn from his emails. And fourth, what lines up with my networking superchargers, the interested, interesting thing dynamic. The more interested you are in people, in subjects, in random stuff, the more interesting you become and the easier that it's gonna be to forge relationships with different types of people because you can add value to their lives. So I hope you really enjoyed this episode. No chance you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed making it, to be perfectly honest. But if you want to reach out to Eddie, find him on LinkedIn under Eddie Ariola super approachable guy, do not reach out with an ask. If you're gonna find him on something, approach with value. He's a busy guy, but he doesn't mind connecting and he's a great mentor. And the last thing I'd like to ask you to do is if you like this podcast, oh God, it would be amazing if you could subscribe to it, if you could leave me a rating. I know it takes like 10 seconds, but oh man, it would be so good. It would really, really, really help move this thing forward. I love doing this thing and I wanna keep doing it. Take a screenshot, share it on Instagram, whatever. Send it to a buddy. Do. Your thing and my final ask is that you go to Spotify and you listen to the Still tool because Yogi is just one of their awesome songs and I know you love it. The rest of their music is sweet, it's all yacht rock. So take it away boys. Enjoy.